In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Going into a new building is kind of a learning curve, as you've discovered. So we've got a couple things that we're figuring out. One is the sound. So the sound is more complex than any biblical doctrine that I've ever run into. So we're, <laughs> thank you so much for your patience on that. We're, we're working on it. We are, we're talking about people. So we're talking about being home for Christmas, and we're talking about specifically with people. If you could shoot over to the sermon slides, that'd be fantastic. Just for that logo, that's what we're looking at. So we're talking about people, and I want to tell you the story of Mary and the story of Elizabeth as they talk about the things that they've experienced and how they talk about people. And when you talk about Christmas, and we talk about like the greatest event, so just think in your head right now, what would make the ultimate Christmas for you? So just kind of, I'll give you 30 seconds for it. What would make the ultimate Christmas? You have to imagine like who's involved there, what's involved there, what kind of stuff you're doing. Maybe there's a gift you have in mind. Maybe there's like an engagement ring or something like that in, in mind. Okay, you kind of have your ultimate Christmas in your head? Okay, this is good because my guess is that, that when you talk about the ultimate Christmas, it involves people. Unless you're like the, well, I shouldn't say this because now someone might walk out. But unless you're the most shallow person ever, no one is just dreaming about being by themselves, like in a room, opening a gift, like the new, the new iPhone and saying, wow, this is the ultimate Christmas for me. Most of us, th it involves people coming into your life. And the, the problem with people, I think, is that, when I've said this before, and I think the same thing is probably true in your job, the best part about my job really is the people. If someone would ask, like, what do you miss? Uh, someone was just from Seattle, and they asked, what do you miss in Seattle? I enjoyed Seattle. We went there like once a month and to the town, you know, the city itself, and we enjoyed the area, we enjoyed the skiing, we enjoyed everything about it, but when you ask, what do I miss, I miss the relationships. They just asked the same thing, that Bruce Aarons was a guy they're talking about, is he going to be the next Packers coach, so I'm giving away that I'm from Wisconsin originally. And they asked him, what do you miss? Do you miss being a coach? He says, no, I don't miss it at all, but I miss the relationships. And I think for most of us, when you talk about the very best part of your job, if you would just leave your job right now, I think there's relationships, I'm guessing, unless you just work from home, most of you, that there's, there are relationships that you completely miss. And that's part of the reason maybe you don't want to move on to another job. You're saying, I enjoy these people, I enjoy hanging out with them. But if I would ask, what's the worst part about your job? I've said this before, and it makes people disappointed because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have these very sanctified, good answers. But when they say, what's the worst part about your job? I'd say, in a second, the people, right? The people are so hard, right? And, and maybe that's because I'm a difficult person. But it, it, when you talk about you, it doesn't matter what you do, though. I'm guessing if you are a teacher, the best part are the kids, and the worst part are the kids. And if you're, or maybe the other staff members. So the... <laughs> And grading, and so so, and parent-teacher conferences. So, and if you want to be a coach, what's the best part? I've hear uh, coaches talk about this all the time. I love the kids. They say I love it, but the parents, the parents are so difficult. And I'm guessing it doesn't matter what you do. If you're an engineer, or if you're a postal carrier, or if you're whatever, the best part about your job is the people, and the worst part about your job is the people. This is my guess. And it's not any different now as we get ready for Christmas when you envision what is the ultimate Christmas. And we're going to look at the story of Mary, and I kind of kind of get you up to speed. So last week someone said, hey, you preached from way over there, so they, they, they felt unloved over here. So I'll shift my way over here. They can't see it in the nursery now because the camera's probably over here. But So we're going to look at the story of Mary, and Mary is kind of a fascinating story. She had just, before we get to it, she had just discovered for the first time an angel has appeared for 500 years. We have not seen any angels in scripture until right now. One appears to a guy named Zechariah, who's a relative of hers. And one appears and says, you're going to have a son, and that's ultimately John the baptizer. 
And then one appears to Mary and says, you are going to have a child. And of course, you know the story of Christmas. Mary had not had any relations with, with a man, and she's going, okay, I have this miraculous child that is now going to be born to me. This is kind of an amazing thing. What do I do with it? So for 500 years, no angels appear. The angels suddenly appear, and then she finds out. The angel says, well, here's proof. If you have any doubts whatsoever in the work of the Holy Spirit that God can do this, he has already done another miracle. I want you to go visit Elizabeth. So Elizabeth is a relative. She travels to the hill country of Judea, and that's where we're going to go. And she goes to visit Elizabeth, who was older. She was barren and is now expecting a child. So this is where we pick it up. So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home. That's... Um, Elizabeth's husband, and greeted Elizabeth. So this is pretty standard. They're going there. This is part of the thing she's going to go visit. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a picture in the Bible when they're talking about someone is about ready to say something biblical, someone's something from God. This is prophecy. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So why do you think that is that Mary went to visit Elizabeth? So just imagine you're about to have a baby. Why would you go visit someone who else is going to have a baby? All right, is anyone a part of a club? Anybody? No one wants to admit this? Dollar Shave Club even? I mean, do we have anything going on here? So you're, you're part of something, right? So all of us are part of some kind of club. And the reason you're part of a club is because you are weird. And there's only so many people that are weird like you, so you want to find those weird people so you don't feel so weird, right? This is kind of how it works. So you go to clubs to make this work. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I like to bike. I commuted today. I was really excited. I had hip surgery about six weeks ago, and I have not been allowed to ride my bike. And this morning I thought, I'm going to ride my bike. So I ride my bike, and I froze my hands off. Like literally, like I got here, they were in... <laughs> There were like claws like this. I was trying to like type on my computer. And, you know, I was slightly slower than normal, but not much. So I was trying to type. And I'm really excited to tell my wife, I want to get these new hand warmers. You ever seen these on bikes? <laughs> so they look like kind of like neoprene socks that go and they stay on your handlebars. And you just slide your hands in there and you stay warm when you're biking. I got about a six-mile commute. And it's 20 degrees out. And I'm like, this is going to be great. So I will tell my wife, babe, you got to see these things. They're amazing. $29.95. So she'll, she loves me, though, and she'll go, wow, dear, that's really amazing. I don't make eye contact when I ask her these things. <laughs> and I don't think I could because she'd be rolling her eyes as I told her about these things because she doesn't actually care. She doesn't care if I get a derailleur that's lighter. She doesn't care if I get new backlights that blink brighter. I have to go find other people that commute, and I could say, hey, you ever get those hand warmers? They'd be like, are you kidding me? Those are awesome. Like you put your hands in there and you can, you actually get to work and work. And, and so the same thing is true with your clubs. It doesn't matter what you do. So if you have a thing that you say, hey, I really like to sew, you could find other people who sew. You could, if you really like to like play a sport like soccer, you run into other people who like soccer. That's why all the people go to a certain bar to watch a game because they want to be with people that agree with them. They want to be with people to say, hey, look around. We're not that weird, right? This is the ultimate goal here. This is a pretty exclusive club. In the history of the Bible, we have about three miraculous births. And this is two-thirds of the miraculous births that we're talking about. So God has come to Elizabeth, and he has told her, here's the deal. I am going to bless you with a child. Even in your old age, it's unbelievable. 
Zechariah was so amazed that was her husband that he didn't believe it. And if you know the story, God says, you're not going to be able to talk anymore. And so Elizabeth isn't going to, you know, not going to doubt it. She still wants to talk. She's sitting there. She's five months pregnant. And she's really excited. And here comes Mary. And Mary is the most exclusive club because now she is carrying the birth of a Savior, sitting inside her womb. And she goes all the way and she greets Elizabeth. And this is what Elizabeth says. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, in a loud voice she exclaims, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? A little bit of history here, and I don't want to lose you here, so I'll make it very, I'll make it very short. There are two kings in Israel at the time. So we have this guy, uh, we're talking about two kings of Israel. And at the time, they're trying to figure out, like, we are going to attack Judah. And God comes to the king of Judah, who is a real dirtbag. And he says, this is what I want. I want you to ask for a sign that's going to prove that I'm going to take care of all your problems here with these foreign kings. And the guy, he's tested God his whole entire life. But now at this moment, says to him, I don't want to test the Lord. Not going to do it. And God says, fine. I'll give you a sign anyway. And the sign is one that you probably know when you think about Christmas time, right? And the virgin will give birth to a child, and she will be called Emmanuel. That prophecy happens 800 years before. So now for 800 years, this prophecy has been on people's lips, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And it gets all the way down to Elizabeth and to Mary. And they are sitting there recognizing that after 800 years, this prophecy is coming true right before us. And this is what Elizabeth says. Blessed are you among women... Blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored and what does she know? That the promised Savior, the one who's going to take on flesh and become part of this world, the one that we know as the Savior, is going to be right here in front of me. They know a little bit of history. They know that Christ is here. And they know that this is something that they can be excited about. The conversation continues. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Uh, let's just talk about faith for a little bit. Um, what definition do you have for faith? Think in your head, like, what kind of definition do you have for faith? I'd ask it this way. This sounds like a trick question coming from a pastor. If I'd ask my kids, what do you have faith in? They already know the answer, right? Jesus. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus. But is that true? Is there anything else that you have faith in? How did you get up this morning? An alarm clock. You have faith in an alarm clock. You're trusting that this alarm is going to do what it says it's going to do. Uh, how did you walk here today? You have faith in your legs that it's going to work. How do you have faith? You're just going to ride your bike, right? So I rode my bike today. I'm going down the hill. Going, You get to be about like 35 miles an hour going down this hill. And I'm thinking to myself, this is always a good plan. I'm thinking, huh, what would happen if these tires just rolled off the rims? I have to have faith that this is going to work. If you have a job and you take a car, you have to have faith in this car that when you turn the ignition, the car is going to function. And you know what it's like when the thing that you have faith in is doubtful. Is there anyone here that drives a car that you're a little concerned it may or may not start? You don't have to raise your hand necessarily, but it, it's not a good feeling, right? You're like, okay, I got a big job tomorrow. This is going to be huge. You know, got this big interview. I'm going to get in my car, and once in a while it really starts. In fact, we were looking for a car. My daughter may have gotten an accident. I'm not going to tell you which one. It might be the one that has a license. So, so she got in an accident. 
and uh, this is unbelievable, but my Volkswagen Jetta diesel from 2003 that is worth a cool $3,300 was totaled out. And it doesn't take much. It really, if the windshield is cracked, they're like, sorry, we can't cover that. So <laughs> it doesn't take very much. So it's totaled out. We no longer have this vehicle. And we start looking for this car. And I'm looking online, and my wife sends me this picture of this Jetta. And it's beautiful. It's a 2010, which is seven years newer than our previous Jetta. It looks immaculate. And on the ad, it says, electrical issues. I like to fix stuff. So I call him up. He goes, yeah, it works like a dream. You can imagine, just imagine the, the, the used car salesman right here. I think he like tightened up his, his, his shiny jacket as he did that. And he starts talking to me about this Jetta and how beautiful it is and it smells new and all this other stuff and it's so fantastic. And then they're like, well, what's the story with the electrical issues? And if anyone works on a vehicle, what's the worst thing ever to work on? Electrical issues. These are the worst. Like these are sent from the devil and the devil just toys with you so that you waste time and you're not doing real ministry. So I'm thinking about this car. I'm like, man, it's such a good deal. He starts lowering the price while I'm talking to him on the phone. And we're down to like $3,500 for this car. And it's like beautiful. And then he finally said, I'm like, well, what's the actual issue? He goes, drives beautiful for like 20 miles. <laughs> I'm like, Amy's commute is only 10. Like this, this, is, this could work out fantastic. This is, this is a good deal. And so she, he, and then he goes, you know, then you get to a stop sign and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't start. <laughs> now, what kind of dad would I be if I said, you know, my daughter wants to go visit somebody up in Denver and she goes 20 miles away and she's at a stoplight and then you can imagine the traffic on here and the car just doesn't start. <laughs> she's like, dad, what did you do? I'm like, just look around in the interior how pretty that is, baby. <laughs> Once in a while, the heated seats even work. So this is, when you have faith in something and that something disappoints you, it's especially crushing. The more faith you put into something, the more disappointing it is. And so I'm guessing like your alarm, you expect to fail if it's some cheap alarm. If you have this old beat-up car, you expect it to fail. I'm guessing when you have um, like an old beat-up bike or something, you expect that to fail. How does it feel when the person that you put the most trust in fails you. So let's just go back to that picture. And, and you're picturing the perfect Christmas. Did your picture involve people? Yeah. Is there a chance that that person is going to disappoint you? Does that person even know what your expectations are this Christmas? If you live in a family and you have extended family, once in a while that happens, you go to some event or you, you have some experience and afterward there's just utter disappointment and you're like, what is the issue? And they, they just say, it's not quite how I hoped it would turn out. And, and the way I would say it is that there is no limit to how many things we can have faith in. You have them in your shoes, you have them in like a watch, you have it in your, which is no, not showing the right time. So you have it in your watch, you have it in your legs, you have it in your arms, you have it in your mind, you have it in all these different things. But there is a limit to how much faith you can put in it. When we talk about faith, there really is only one entity that won't disappoint. I think when you talk about people and how frustrating it is, how disappointed it is, and how they're going to let you down, and they're not going to quite do the right thing, and you're going to get down, you wonder why this is the most depressing time of year. It's because the expectations are so high, and the expectations are on something or someone that's not going to always follow through. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. 
the reason why she is filled with joy is because she has faith in something that is not going to disappoint her. The same God who comes to this earth and says, tell you what, I know your sins are grievous and you don't want to talk about them, but I'm going to still cover those things up. The same God who changes lives in baptism and children, the same God who says, take my body and blood and communion, the same God who says, I am here for you and I'm never going to leave you. That's the only God you can have utter trust and faith in. And so Mary's is filled with joy because she knows this. So she starts to sing a song. This is where we're going to end today. There's no limit to the things that people uh, and the people we can have faith in, but there is a limit how much faith you can have in them. And so Mary sings this song, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I used to work at a custard stand. This is common knowledge now. So I've had a couple jobs. One was paper route. When I was 12 years old, I was started to deliver these papers then I eventually moved up in the world I started to make custard this is big time this is big time and one time I remember distinctly there's a couple different stories I remember distinctly but one time a guy comes to me and it was like we closed at like 10 and it was like 10.05 and have you ever seen a, a, an adult male like just put his hands on the window like this <laughs> and I'm like oh, don't make eye contact don't make eye contact the machines are cleaned and like alright what can I do for you he goes, you would be my savior if you could just get me a quart of butter pecan. I'm like, I got one in the freezer. Let's, we'll, we'll hook you up. So I gave it to him, and he was like almost in tears. In tears. My guess is that he was not the one who was going to eat this. And earlier we were talking about pregnancy, so I think this might be, this might be somehow connected that he came home like victorious, like, <laughs> like the Lion King. He's like, dad has delivered. And... Uh, but why is that so special? Because now some, you have this issue and something is fulfilled. And I think that's a beautiful thing about Mary. You, you often hear different things about Mary. And some people say, like, um, she had no sin, right? And some people say that she helped save the world and all these other things. But what does this young girl, some people estimate 13, 14 years old, a young girl who is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she doesn't run to her husband. She runs to her relative. And she simply says... My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is where my hope is. I'm going to have hope in something that won't ever, ever disappoint me. One more thing. Uh, when we throw parties, I don't throw great parties like my friend, but I throw parties once in a while. You ever have it when you're going to have people over and you invite like five, six families? Does this ever happen? Anyone do this? Nobody does this. All right, we have the lamest congregation of all time. <laughs> For a while, I felt guilty no one invites us over. It just they don't, they don't ever do that, apparently. Um, so we have people over, and, and especially if it's a big event, right? So we have people over, and, and I bet this is happening this Christmas. You invite people over, and you're thinking, okay, I invite this person, or I invite these relatives, and these relatives. Double secret, though, I just want to, on the double secret, you ever say to your spouse or the person you're with, you know what? As long as XYZ comes, it'll be good. You ever say that to yourself? It doesn't really matter about any of the other people because as long as, like, our best friends are there, it doesn't matter if everyone else just blanks us and no one else shows up. Does anyone ever say that on the double secret for the parties you never have? <laughs> you do. You do. And I do the same thing. I say as long as, you know, these people are here. We're getting ready for Christmas, right? And we're talking about people and people disappoint. This Christmas, if you want to make it an amazing Christmas, if you want to come home for Christmas and have something truly special, you just got to make sure one person's there. It doesn't matter if you're 
daughter isn't going to show up even though she said she is. It doesn't matter if your boss isn't going to give you the bonus. It doesn't matter if your best friends aren't around. It doesn't matter if people that you love are no longer here and they're in heaven. God says as long as I am there and as long as Jesus is there, it's going to be good. And this Christmas, let's focus on Christ and recognize that we truly have a Savior that loves us more than anything, and he wants us to experience something amazing, which is his love and his forgiveness, and put faith completely in that because everything else disappoints. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you truly are amazing. Uh, there's not much we can bring to the table. We know that. Uh, we can bring our own expectations, and we have a lot of expectations that people are going to fulfill in us. That's not fair for us to put those expectations on people. They can't read our mind. They can't anticipate what we really want. But this year, as we get ready to celebrate around you and your word, make sure that you are there. And even if we're alone, and, and even if we just have a couple people there, and the, our favorite people in the world don't show up, we know that you are there. And when you are there, we have forgiveness, we have acceptance, we have love, and we can talk about the, the true miracle it is that God is with us and God is in his presence. Help us now find the people who don't know that and so that we can share that great joy with them and to understand that uh, to move forward in this world, we need to have the confidence of a Savior who loves us and one we can put complete faith in. We ask this in your name. Amen.